Hello and welcome to episode 728 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, August 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? I have not slept in two days. Let's do this. Two days. <laughs> and and you never know it if you didn't say it because you certainly don't sound like you haven't slept. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's it's going to get ugly later today at some point. I'm going to start crying like a baby which will upset my baby. Uh, well, let's, let's see if we can make you cry. Yeah, no, I'm talking sure. about some of these pictures. We're, we're going to talk about some of the guy, some guys I really like, and I'm sure you're going to bag on them, and I'm going <laughs> to get very upset and start stomping my feet and you know shedding tears, and uh, it's going to get uncomfortable for everyone. Well, we'll see if that happens. We basically have a group of guys that uh, that have really been going off in the second half. And basically what we want to look at is is their viability going forward because they've been some of the hotter waiver pickups. Some of them are still on waiver wires in shallower leagues. And obviously at the, the, we're in the turning over every rock stage of the season. And so people, you know, there's one guy on here that has nothing to back up what he's doing. And yet I'm sure some people are picking him up. Uh, this first guy is not that. So let's just dive into the list. Ryan Yarbrough. Did you know that Ryan Yarbrough leads the league in OPS against uh, qualifying for his inning inning count? I did not know that. Yeah. So if you go down to, uh, you know, 105 innings, he beats Hyunjin Ryu by a couple points at 586. That's pretty Uh, impressive. I actually learned that in my my Twitch chat. They, they, They told me about that, and I was like, what? It was after the uh, after his start against the Tigers, he dropped down to or he rose up to number one there. Again, qualifying for a minimum of 100 innings, and obviously Hyunjin Ryu has many more innings, but it's still impressive for Ryan Yarbrough. And of course, he's a, like a semi-starter, but he pitches the bulk inning. So, for the sake of what we're doing here, even if even if he were exclusively a quote-unquote follower, we would still be talking about him um, under these uh, surging starters here. But uh, Yarbrough's been great, and I do wonder, you know, are they going to start using him as a starter more? He's he's on the docket this week to be a starter and not have an opener. He started his last two games. He was an out shy of a shutout at Seattle, and then sixth and a third scoreless against the Tigers. Three hits in both of those outings. Eight strikeouts against the Mariners, ten against the Tigers. Yarbrough's been awesome. I think the most impressive part about you know, the whole leading the league in, in um, OPS against is that he had a 559 ERA through June 13th, Justin. Yarbrough was not pitching that well. So he no doubt hit several waiver wires and, and had to kind of, you know, people had to come back to him and, and pick him up. He gets Baltimore later this week, tomorrow, in fact, and then at Houston the following week. And again, he's slated, at least right now, as a starter for both of those. Is Ryan Yarbrough in all formats must for you right now? I think he should be owned in all formats. I I don't think he's in every start must play uh, at this point. While he got torched early on in the schedule or early on in the season because, I mean, largely because, I mean, the schedule was fairly brutal for him early on. I mean, he he got Minnesota, gave up seven when Minnesota was super hot. They were uh, killing everybody. Yeah, ran into Cleveland uh, uh, and some you know 
Kansas City put up seven on him early. Yeah, season. Kansas City <laughs> ripped him for seven early on. Uh, but uh, I mean, that, that was, was like at the height of Mondesi's uh, hotness, and uh, they had some things at least offensively that were going well. It, the problem, the I mean, the underlying numbers really support what he's been doing. So it, it's hard for me to sit here and go, I don't think he can continue to do what he's doing. The the one problem I see is the level of competition he's faced since the beginning of July. He's faced Baltimore, Baltimore, the White Sox, Blue Jays, Boston, Blue Jays, Seattle, Detroit. Holy crap, that's terrible. Yeah, So and, and the one start against Boston, he gave up four earned runs. Two of them were home runs, only made it a four, uh, four and a third. So that is on. Unquestionably, his worst start mm-hmm. since, or worst, uh, it was, uh, it was not a start. It was a follow. Um, that's his worst outing for Ryan Yarbrough since June 13th, and unquestionably the most difficult opponent he faced. You know, he got going at the end of June at o- uh, at Yankees, at Oakland, at Minnesota. So that was nice. Uh, but then, like you said, the schedule since July 1st has been cake, and so that is something to be concerned with. So you're suggesting. At Baltimore, no problem for Ryan Yarbrough. But next yeah. week at Houston, you're sitting him. Yeah, there's no way I'm starting him versus Houston. It's just okay. It's just too dangerous of an offense. Uh, but he's gonna have nice starts. I mean that that division uh, has two really good offenses and two bad offenses in it. So fifty uh, percent of the time when he's playing his division, he's gonna be playing uh, teams that are crappy. So yeah, and. The Rays will likely start to get a lot more division mm-hmm. work, so keep an eye on the schedule I think for Ryan Yarbrough. Faced the Yankees like forty-five times this year, so the Yankees. At least that's have, what Jason keeps telling me. Yeah, the Yankees have only played Baltimore and Tampa Bay this mm-hmm. year. Only that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's all, why all that's why they're in the whatever the division. Yeah, it's yes, it's been amazing. Uh, actually, starting on September second, they have a little road trip. And then the rest is all uh, division. So that goes Baltimore, Toronto at home. Uh, this is for Tampa Bay with regards to Ryan Yarbrough. Then a West Coast trip that would include Texas, even though not technically West Coast. They're a West team. So it's at Texas, at the Angels, at the Dodgers. And then back home from Boston and the Yankees. And then a trip to Toronto to finish the season. So yeah, once September, once the calendar flips to September, a lot of divisional work there. And if the schedule breaks to where he avoids uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees series, and those are both just two-game sets, then Ryan Yarbrough could could continue to just be absolutely elite down the line or down the stretch there. And so if you can avoid that Houston start, if you're in a position where you can bench him, I think you should. Uh, and go ahead and play the numbers there. Yes, he could go off. He's pitched so well. He's got good underlying numbers. I say play the numbers here and don't risk it because the problem that we're seeing this year is when, when you do take a risk on those – they become seven, eight, nine earned run outings. You know, it just seems like the downside is just so severe these days with all the homers and with all the shellackings that we're seeing that I agree with you. I would also sit Ryan Yarbrough at Houston next week, but he's been excellent. If you have him, you're, you you got to be happy to have him. Do not cut him at any point. I say ride, ride things out as a reserve roster. What if you're in one of those leagues, um, I believe AL Labor's like this, where if you got a guy, you got to play him. Yeah, my my original home league, AL only home league, was like that where you you didn't have a reserve list. You just yeah, played who you, you just had. Play. You wouldn't cut Yarbrough, right? To, no, just to avoid no, especially the not start. AL only. Okay, you just, just making of, sure. You just kind of 
hold your nose, pray for just the pray. best, right? Yep. Yeah, so. You just gotta you gotta pray because uh, I would not advocate cutting Yarbrough because he'll get snapped up, um, or you'll have to spend a bunch of fab resources to get him back, and you don't want to do that. Okay, I just want to be clear that we're on that same page there with with Ryan Yarbrough. He's been good. Enjoy the fruits of uh, of what he's doing there. Let's jump over to Cal Quantrill. Now, he was a prospect of note. Uh, a while back and uh, he really lost his his prospect shine last year with a brutal two level season between double and triple a where he had a 458 or 480 excuse me era and a 578 ra9 so you know some of the underlying metrics were saying you could have been even worse than you were with your near five era cal quantrill and you know i i can't say that i predicted this or anything i i really didn't but I'm always amazed, as, as more of the prospect person who kind of looks from the outside in, um, how quickly people run away from guys. <laughs> it, it always fascinates me. I'm like, dang, well, especially you know. pitchers. Yes, and I, you know, I kind of appeal to authority maybe a bit too much when it comes to prospects because I, I sometimes don't trust myself, sp- specifically when they're lower level uh, prospects that I don't have as much experience with, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess he sucks, and just kind of whatever. Uh, and then he comes around ha- ha- having a great season here, Cal Quantrill. And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe people should have stuck with him. He's got a 3.32 ERA, a 109 WHIP in 81 in the third innings, and he's really panning out to the level of you know the prospect hype that he did have prior to uh, to the 2018 down season. And he seems to be uh, clicking on all cylinders of late, especially. He hasn't allowed more than four earned since a trip to Colorado back on June 14th. Now, he was in the bullpen uh, shortly after that. In fact, that start, for whatever reason, he went right into the bullpen after that, even though that's not that bad in Colorado. I guess it was just a a crunch of players that uh, pushed Quantrill to the bullpen. But since returning to a starting role with with one uh, big follow in there, a five and two-thirds follow at the Cubs, he has... Eight outings, seven of them starts, 44 and two-thirds innings of a 222 ERA, 38 strikeouts, seven walks for Quantrill. He's looked good. Is this somebody that you're picking up, holding, and relying on the rest of the year with Cal Quantrill? Oh, that's a good question. He's been amazing since the All-Star break. Uh, 179 ERA. Uh, he's not walking, guys. He's been decent though he's given up a home run in each of his last two starts uh but for the most part he's been pretty good about keeping the ball in the yard there's a lot that's very intriguing about him like I said prospect pedigree I think people gave up on him a little bit too early and I think maybe we thought we were going to get more strikeout stuff from him but Mm -hmm. he's got what four pitches I think or no three pitches that he really uses and the curve doesn't really Use a whole bunch. Barely a show me, yeah. So it's fastball, slider, change up for Cal Quantrill that he. But the fastball, that, slider are good pitches. Yeah, they are. Mid 90s heater, quality slider, change up kind of in and out right now. And if he can develop that, I mean, that, that this is something we would talk about more in the offseason. But if that change up develops, I think Quantrill really has some big time upside. But right now, fastball, slider is doing the job for, for Quantrill. And uh, as you mentioned, he's been excellent since the break. One of the things that has been better since the break, the aforementioned changeup. And believe it or not, that was his best pitch on our scouting report uh, coming into the season, too. So there are expectations for the changeup to be a weapon for Quantrill, giving him three legit pitches. So 
I'm really intrigued by what he's doing here. I've got him on a couple teams. I've, I did the uh, the scan this weekend to make sure he wasn't available anywhere. And uh, I think there's something here. I think there is too. Now, he doesn't have huge upside or anything. So I think people see the the, the kind of prospect pedigree, the fact that he was drafted eighth overall in 2016 and go, maybe this is a frontline guy. I don't think he's ever like that, but I think he could be very Kyle Gibson-ish. Yeah, what what if he's just um, this, or you know, back back the ERA and whip up a bit, three thirty two ERA, one oh nine whip for Quant. Back those both up a bit, say three eighty one uh, one fifteen over a full season. Yeah. I'd have no problems with that. That I mean, that's a perfect middle of the rotation. I don't know that there's anything Cal Quantrill can do the rest of the year to really elevate his price to a level where he would be cost prohibitive either. So I think for the future, it's all good. Um, for the ne- for the immediate future here, though, I-, I believe they're running a six man right now, so he won't start twice despite starting yesterday uh, at Cincy. But he'll get the Dodgers next. So another guy that we like here, but immediately gets a challenge against a high quality team. Cal Quantrill against the Dodgers. Is that something that you're taking your chances with? No. There's just but not, there's not enough upside with Quantrill to uh, take that kind of risk. But you're only benching again, right? Yeah, yeah. Of... I think I'm holding him in. I mean, I, I guess he's probably a waiver wire guy in 10-team leagues, but I think in 12 yeah. and deeper, he should probably be on a, on a reserve list. Maybe not your reserve list. I think that's something we you know remind people that he, he should be on a team, but doesn't mean he needs to be on your team. Uh, that being said, uh, it's a nice park to pitch in. There are going to be bad teams in that division that he gets to face, even though the Giants are super hot right now. Uh, <laughs> they have surged again. Uh, I mean, the the one of the big question marks on him was his command. And the fact that he's only walking two per nine is uh, been very impressive so far this year. Yep. Well, and it, it is that you, you mentioned there's a few home runs of late for uh, Quantrill as well. So maybe it is that that push pull between command and control. But I think we're seeing a lot of both, though, to be honest, because, yes, he allows a homer in uh, three of his last four starts. But then the three coming right out of the break, he didn't allow a homer. So we're looking at overall at three three homers in 40 and a third. I'm taking that all day with, with some of the home run rates that we're dealing with, with guys these days, you give me this kind of home run rate, a 0.67. I am, I'm doing backflips for a guy. And so you mentioned that Cal Quantrill won't become a frontliner. I think a lot of that's because of his strikeout rate. Uh, it's at 21%. There's an 11% swinging strike rate, which basically backs a 21%. You, you don't really expect too much more than that. Is there another level, or is, is this about where we're going to be with uh, with the strikeouts for Quantrill? Mm, I think there could be another level. I think he really needs to develop that third pitch some more. I was going to ask if it, it would be based on the changeup really becoming yeah. a full-scale weapon. And I, I think he needs to become a little bit more aggressive uh, in terms of maybe like his first pitch strike rate, only 57%. So I'd like to see him maybe you kind of jump on hitters a little bit more. Yeah. Attack uh, earlier. Yeah. So, but he's in a good organization. Austin hedges is a good defensive catcher and, and, and framer and game caller. So 
I think there are things that make him interesting. I don't think he's going to be expensive coming into next year. So I think he's a guy... I, I think a lot of people towards the end of drafts want to take the upside play. Uh, and I I tend to be the person that is a little bit more conservative with those picks. Yeah, Quantrill uh, at 25 will be seen as boring. Is that, yes. And he'll be somebody that you're going to go for? Yeah, I think so. Because he's going to cost very little... And I think he can give you kind of some stable innings in, in ratios. And maybe, you know, he's still only 24 years old. Uh, it'll yeah. be his first full season in the majors. And I, you never know. We can Maybe we do see a jump with him. So he's a guy that has shown strikeout promise in the past in the lower levels of the minors. So who knows, you know, maybe another year working with their, uh, with their pitching coach, he can unlock something. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with all that uh, with regards to Gal Quantrill. I'm really intrigued by what we've seen here in the second half. I think he's become a nice uh, a nice piece for folks that picked him up. If he is still available, because I'm seeing like a 23% roster rate on ESPN, which means he's definitely still out there in some of your 10-teamers. I say scoop him, even if it is just to reserve him for that start against the Dodgers, because it opens up a bit after that where he's going to face at the Giants. You mentioned that they're hitting well, but you're still going to take a guy. You're going to take a shot. Um, even even with the Giants hitting well, you're gonna you're gonna take guys of a, of a particular caliber going into San Francisco, and then he hosts Colorado and the Cubs, and we know how disastrous the Cubs have been on the road, um, and the Colorado is every year. So it really eases up after the Dodgers come to uh, San Diego for Cal Quantrill. So um, I do like everything that he's doing right now. Let's stay in division and move over to Zach Gallen talked about him a bit when he got traded from Miami to Arizona. I really liked that uh, that prospect for prospect trade there. And Gallon's somebody that's really starting to draw a lot of attention. I, I think the trade maybe amplified that. I guess just you're anonymous when you're with Miami. And then uh, you basically join the league. This is his debut now. Those other seven stars, those, don't, those didn't count, actually. They said they were, those were triple A starts when he was with Miami. Um, but no, he's, he's been, he's been really interesting, uh, in his three starts with, with Arizona six walks last time out, which was, uh, I believe on Monday night, but battled, uh, still through six innings of one run ball, five hits with those six walks. It was a three walk inning that really did him in, but he only allowed the one run still had eight strikeouts. I like a lot of what I'm seeing out of Zach Gallen. Um, um, eager to see what he can do for a full year in Arizona. I think this is somebody, though, that has a chance to be very overpriced next year. Um, yeah. I want to say it might not have been about Gallon, but it, it, it would be the same kind of thing. Oh, no, maybe it was Matt Boyd. But somebody was comparing them to, like, the uh, the Pavetta of next year, that type of deal where it's oh, going to be. well, I, I can understand know. the comp. I don't know that I would. There were some serious red flags with Pavetta that uh, we as an industry, and, and I include myself in that because I don't know that there were many people as big of a fan of Pavetta as I was. So mm -hmm. you know, I'll take my lumps and eat crow on that one because I was wrong. But uh, yes, there, there, there are. This isn't a perfect profile with Gallon, but I think he is a more complete pitcher than Pavetta was. And the stark difference for me that, uh, and honestly, like I said, I, I, I might not, the person that I'm quoting, I can't remember the quote, can't remember who said it, so super, super diligent work there, Paul. You're mm -hmm. awesome. Um, 
I know Matt Boyd was involved in it, and that's a much better analog for Pavetta because they share the the massive home run issue that uh, that we overlooked with Pavetta and just yep, and that's what it believed was. that he would fix it. Uh, Gallant does not have that, so he has a different it, issue. <laughs> yeah, you know he's got the walk situation yeah. right now, but I will take he's he's got almost five walks per nine right now for four point nine. I'll take that all day. Over, with with a .5 home run per nine, then I will, you know, a home run issue without walking guys. And, and pitching in Arizona as opposed to pitching in Philadelphia. Correct. So. Correct. So uh, that's where I'm at with Gallon right now. But what do you think about his? Well, let's focus on the rest of the season. Then we'll then we'll flip forward to 2020. But is he somebody that you need that you think think need to be on a, on a team in every league and yes. starting more often than not? I think he should probably be starting 90% of the time. Yeah. Maybe uh, a Dodgers start here and there that you, that you take I mean, off. He went into Colorado and while he didn't like shove or anything in Colorado, uh, he was still pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't hurt you. If you, if you ended up having to start him in Colorado, uh, which I did on my main event team. So yeah, you, you survived that. You're fine. Four mm-hmm. innings, two runs. Uh, it was 10 base runners with nine hits and a walk, but, and three strikeouts. That's survival, though. I'm fine with that. I chalk yeah. that up. I, I I take it and I run. I get the hell out of Coors. Uh, but he's he's been just great this year. I mean, obviously, the the walks are a bit concerning, but he, like you said, he doesn't give up long balls, so they don't come back to bite him quite as much. Uh, he's got just great stuff. The velocity has been trending up, which is uh. Uh, nice to see. Yeah, Gallon's added two ticks since yeah. coming to Arizona. That's you don't really see that. Yeah, I mean when he he was throwing ninety to ninety two for his first five starts in the majors, uh, but his last three starts in Arizona have all been ninety four or up. Well, so. you know, guys do add velocity sometimes when they get to the majors, and mm-hmm. so going well, and from as they go through the season, guys tend to add velocity. Too. That's true, and August is a peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Thorburn taught me that. So, but going from you know uh, Miami's AAA team to Arizona's major, I'm, I'm still keeping that joke going. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. So <laughs> suck it, Marlins. Uh, but no, he's added two two ticks, so that's been great. We like everything that he that uh, Gallon's doing. He's got kind of a kitchen sink arsenal there. Three pitches that he relies on the cutters more than a uh, more than a show me though, which is interesting by the way because another thing that's cool about this trade is it does break things up very easily between the Miami versus Arizona. When normally you know we'd have to kind of dig in to see it, but he's had an arsenal change since coming to the Diamondbacks, and I don't know if it's something that they instituted or suggested to him, but. The cutter's gone from 20 to 10% usage, and it's been primarily funneled into the changeup for Zach Gallon. Bottom line is, though, he has four pitches. And one of the things about the walk rate that you'll notice if and when you watch Zach Gallon is he doesn't give in. And so a lot of that is saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give up that homer by throwing you a meatball. I'm gonna re-rack. You know, something that we like. Remember, we bug out on Z- Shane Bieber for doing that last year, where he would give in very clearly. And give up a hit or 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 worse, you know, a homer. Um, and but didn't walk anybody, and it was so great. But it's like it was terrifying. And I wanted to see development out of Bieber, which we have seen. Of course, he's been incredible. But uh, I like that Gallon is not afraid to walk somebody and and try his hand with a fresh slate on the next guy, as opposed to throwing a weaker pitch 
just to get over the heart of the plate and uh, and have damage happen instead of instead of the walk. He goes to Milwaukee this weekend and then the Dodgers at home. So his next two starts are tough. I'm going to say this. I'd start him for both. I would too. That's where we're at on Gallant. So that's, that's a pretty high endorsement there uh, for Zach Gallant. Where did you have him in your uh, most recent starting pitcher update? I want to say that it was like 40-something. But instead of just guessing, why don't I look it up? You, you could do I'm that. I'm doing that right now. All right. You better, you better believe that. Control F count 50, 50 on the button. And he started the uh, the spot start tier. And I tell you what, I would I would I would put him in the usually start tier if, if, pretty much the second after I put out the rankings. That was one of the ones that I had some there was some talk about it. And I was like, damn it. Y'all are right. I, I he should have been, you know, six, seven ranks higher. And uh, just looking right now, I got Brendan McKay at 38. Now I put these out on August fifth, so you know, two two plus weeks ago. At the very least, I'd flip those two. At the very least, I'd put Gallon thirty eight and McKay fifty or later. So um, he's a guy I've, that I want to keep watching his home starts and seeing if he's benefiting. Gallon, uh, Gallon uh, okay, seeing if how much he's benefiting from that humidor in Good point. Arizona, like. Uh, you know, just kind of, and it, it's a super small sample, so I don't want to, you know, jump to any conclusions. But plus P vowels on his two home games on the curveball, which is something he, uh, a pitch he's kind of struggled with a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just kind of something I'm watching uh, when I'm get, watching the games. When he throws that curveball, what does it look like at home? Get a better grip. You can really, uh, you can manipulate pitches better uh, with that humidor. I think sometimes that was an issue for Zach Godley, where he'd almost get too much break on his curveball, but it might be that perfect sweet spot for Zach Gowan. So we're very pro on him. Uh, next year, will he be paying the freight? Because I do think with a strong finish, he's going to be one of those guys who's pushed up and probably ranked regularly as like a top 35 pitcher. And then his biggest proponents will probably have uh, Nick Pollock, I'm looking at you, something like top 30. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be hard. Uh, I'll, prob- I'll probably have a few shares, but he's not going to be on like my must-draft list. Like I'm not going to have a million shares of him as a top 35 guy. Yeah. But I'll make sure to grab a few shares because I, I just am, am intrigued with his talent. Uh, and if he continues to especially keep up the velocity uh, and kind of – the pitches look good at home. It's going to be a really hard thing for me to kind of back away from. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to get left out in the cold completely uh, on Zach Gallon. So I agree with you while I wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, run out and get him everywhere at that, at that price. I would definitely uh, make sure I get one, even if it is a little bit of what I consider maybe an overpay or at least a full price. You're not necessarily getting a discount. There. This isn't going to be like my 2018 Jeff Samarja shares. Or sorry, 2019 or, Jeffs from March. Yeah, which so. have panned out by the way. I almost put him on this list. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll give you a quick quick hat tip there uh, as far as second half, which is what well, – yeah, excuse me, which is where the numbers are coming from for a lot of these guys. 41 ERA, .90 whip, and a 25% strikeout rate. And uh, the thing of it is it's not like he was bad before that. Samar has mm-hmm. been solid all year, but he's really jumped in the second half. And you did have him like everywhere, and uh, you've benefited from that. He's been he's been yeah, strong. I think I have like fourteen shares or something like that out of eighteen leagues. 
damn, that's very nice. But he's not an official inclusion on this list, so let's move on to our next guy, which is Chris Bassett. I remember when Bassett first started his season, he had like a billion strikeouts. Like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was literally 16 strikeouts in 12 innings uh, in his first two starts. His first three starts, he didn't have fewer than six strikeouts in any of them. The bottom line was 38 strikeouts and 32 and two-thirds, just something we had not ever really seen out of Bassett. Uh, those have come back to earth a bit, but it's still a solid rate. It's still the best rate of his career, and he's been having a strong second half as well. Chris Bassett has a 236 ERA, 114 whip, 22% strikeout rate, uh, 6% walk rate in the second half. Bassett, <laughs> Oakland does it every year, man. They just they just find a group of guys, and uh, you know Mike Fires is having another solid season for them. Bassett's really been a big part. Homer Bailey has two mega blowups, but beyond around that, I think he has five quality starts. So the overall numbers look bad for him, but but if you dig in, you're like, wow, that's actually a bunch of good starts and then two bad ones. But Bassett's been kind of the standout right now, and he's been a stalwart for them since coming back. I believe it was in May. Is Chris Bassett somebody who's uh, who's been interesting you as a as a pickup of late? He's a guy I've got on a number of AL only teams. Okay. Uh, and I've enjoyed what he's done so far. Uh, <laughs> he seems like he's a different pitcher at home uh, versus on the road. And while the ERA isn't like astronomically different, he's got a 392 uh, road ERA and a 323 home ERA. So you know, there's some some difference, but it's, it's not, a difference. Yeah, it's it, we're not talking like Merrill Kelly different. Exactly, so, he's a completely different pitcher at home. Uh, would you like to venture the difference in home runs for Bassett mm-hmm, for home and away? Like uh, like a point seven at home and 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 double that on the road, one and a half plus on the road. <laughs> in fifty three innings, he has four home runs given up at home. In, oh my gosh! Uh, Sixty six innings, thirteen home runs given up on the road. I almost nailed it. Yeah, that's point. That's point six and one point eight. Um, yeah, okay. So that's substantial. That's a big deal with Chris Bassett. Home run suppression. We know that that ballpark mm-hmm. uh, at, in Oakland certainly helps with that. So that's good news. Um, he gets San Francisco this weekend against the uh, at home, and then goes to KC, another home run suppression park. Yeah. So you love the immediate future for Bassett. After that, he hosts the Angels, and then uh, might sneak into a Detroit series. Or go to Houston. That's going to be pivotal there. Uh, whether he goes on September 8th or 9th could be – I mean it's really the difference between starting him aggressively or or sitting him quite aggressively as well. Okay. Well, um, that's interesting and that definitely drives a lot of what Bassett's doing. You want to be careful there. Is he somebody that uh, that you're just holding or, or would you maybe get yeah. – would you maybe get the San Francisco KC starts and and move off of him? I, I think I would. The underlying numbers aren't great on him. I mean, he's got like a 468 Sierra. Uh, his XFIP is 475. Um, he gives up a lot of hard contact. Uh, it's. I, I think this is like one of those guys that he's pitching well, but it could all turn around in an instant. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of those two decent starts to San, what, San, at home San Francisco and on the road at uh, Kansas City. Yes. 
Oh, and then he hosts the Angels after that. But then, again, based on how the schedule's working, it would be a Texas two-step in the same week. A Monday at Houston and then a Saturday at Texas. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with that two-step. That, yeah, that's like a two-step that. that could destroy your ratios. In September, too? No, I would I, – honestly, I would use Bassett for those three and – I don't know I'm that I would even use him, him for the that. Angels. What's well, at home. That's why it's giving them the benefit there. Yeah. I just – I feel like that could be a kind of a trap game. Uh, but I understand people wanting to use them there. Uh, I definitely use them in San Francisco and Kansas City, and then I'm probably moving on to some, someone else. And just kind of be grateful for what you got because, I mean, it's it's not overpowering stuff or anything. Uh, no, know. Chris Bassett's, a, you know, a 30-year-old kind of having mm-hmm. uh, a, a little renaissance here. Nothing, a little bounce nothing back. crazy. Yeah. Good fastball, decent change-up, and nothing else. Okay. So, so that's where we're at with, with Chris Bassett. Uh, you can move on after the next two starts if you want. Uh, and even if you do stick through the Angels start, I do not do that Texas two-step. Do not do it. Uh, Aaron Savali. You know, we talk about different teams and, and what they're able to regularly produce. Um, you know, with like the Houston and, Do- with Houston and the Dodgers, it's like talent regardless. Uh, San Diego seems to always be able to churn out relievers. Cleveland is becoming a starting pitching factory, dude. Mm-hmm. Like Shane Bieber was not a prospect. We talked about him earlier. Zach Plesak. Uh, Mike Clevenger, they developed into a superstar. Carrasco was a prospect, but he was a broken one that they that they took and you know, put in the bullpen and, and finally got the most out of. Corey Kluber was not a prospect that they turned into a, an uber ace. Bauer was, and uh, you know they they tamed him as the best they could. But the bottom line is they seem to turn over a few different guys all the time. Even Josh Tomlin, who was nauseatingly bad uh, like you knew that he was bad would still put together stretches of, of quality work if he could keep the ball in the yard for you know four or five starts in a row he'd put up like a low three zra it was so frustrating because you, you're like dude come on come on but uh aaron savali looks pretty solid uh the latest to kind of come out of that factory has 24 innings with a 150 era 0.96 whip 22 strikeouts against just six walks He's been really good. Now, things will start to get cramped a little bit, perhaps, uh, when Kluber comes back. But he left his recent start with uh, an oblique strain. I don't think so, Kluber's coming back. And if he does, it's coming back like last week of the season. Yeah, so that I wouldn't even start worrying about that. And uh, the aforementioned Carrasco, awesome to, news that he was pitching in the minors. But he's going to come back as a reliever. They've already said that. So his he, first not, four pitches were like 96 to 98 miles an hour. It was awesome, dude. It was awesome, awesome, awesome to read. Obviously, battling the, the leukemia, uh, the fact that he's even back on a mound this year is impressive. So, pulling for Carrasco, wishing for the best, want everything to go well with that. Uh, but like I said, will come back as a reliever for them, which could be a huge, just a huge weapon. But so Savali should be set for starts as long as he continues to perform. They should have a spot for him. Aaron Savali, is he somebody that you're picking up right now or have already picked up, I guess, because it's been pretty good for a little while now? I have not picked him up. Uh, I regret it <laughs> because, like you said, he's been very, very good. I I think some of it is smoke and mirrors and going to come back and you know bite him pretty hard at some point. 
but he's been impressive when he's been on the mound. Uh, he, he's only walked six batters in 24 innings. He's gone at least six innings in each of his – well, six six innings exactly in each of his uh, first four starts. I like uh, that. No home runs given up so far. I like uh, that. So he's he's pitched really well. Do I think he can sustain it? I don't. He gives he gives up a lot of hard contact. Uh, he's had issues with. Uh, well, I guess he's. I guess he hasn't had issues with walks in the minors. Maybe I was. Uh, I was reading that wrong earlier. So, um, I don't know. It's. It feels like a profile that is going to get caught up with pretty quickly, but I think you, depending on the matchup, you kind of ride the hot streak. It's not like he's had a bunch of cake matchups either. I mean, he his last three starts were home versus Texas, then at Minnesota, at the Yankees. So it's uh, it's been a decent stretch of teams too. So uh, I think you're riding it but willing to jump off at any moment because it's a bad fastball uh, and a guy who's probably going to give up a fair share of home runs at some point. Yeah, I mean, like you said, hasn't given up a single home run yet for Aaron Savali, but uh, obviously that's not going to continue. He'll give up a homer at some point. I like the way the schedule plays out, though, coming up at the Mets, at the Tigers, home to the White Sox, but then it's a home-and-home against the Twins. Um in early September. Oh, guess who's here? Kyle. Oh, hey, buddy. Missed you. I feel like we haven't talked to Kyle all season. I desperately hate him. <laughs> Why does it sound like he's literally in my apartment? <laughs> so frustrating. Uh, I got to write back. down this time on 9 a.m. <laughs> on Wednesdays. Okay. Back to uh, back to Aaron Savali. You mentioned, though, he's been handling quality competition. If he puts up three more gems going into those two Minnesota starts, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily going to run away. I'm I'm a little bit more aggressive here with Savali than you are, I think. I, part of it isn't even necessarily Savali. It's the freaking Indians. I'm telling you, dude, they're like a pitching factory. I really am giving them a little bit of extra credit here. And so a guy like Savali that I might normally have a little bit more caution with – I moved the scale over a little bit more because of what Cleveland's been able to do with starting pitchers. Uh, it's easy right now, like I said, because of the schedule. Uh, Mets, Tigers, White Sox. But I could see riding riding him for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the season here. Well, with that schedule, you gotta ride him. Well, I'm saying even the Minnesota starts. Hmm. I mean, Minnesota hasn't been as hot. As they were to start the year. We'll get three more starts, right? And it could be 18. Based on his current record, it'll be 18 innings on the button because he throws six every time out. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, but, no, we'll, you know, we'll see how these next three go. He does have one at Minnesota already where he went six innings, one run, uh, five strikeouts, no walks. You mentioned that he went to the Yankee, went to Yankee Stadium and did well. So, you know, three of his four outings have been against Texas, Minnesota, Yankees, and then the one against Detroit. I'm not so worried about the matchups right now here to, to worry about saying I gotta move on from Savali in these two Minnesota starts. So you'll have you'll be able to reassess around uh, September. Well, the thing of it is, is the White Sox 
will be part of a two-step week. It'll be Monday, a home against the White Sox, and then Saturday at at Cleveland, or excuse me, at Minnesota. I'm not going to give up that White Sox start just because of an at Minnesota, though. So I'm mm, I'm buying on Savali yeah. here. I say I say go for it. I don't know. I, I think I would be reluctant to start him at Minnesota again. Second time <laughs> getting to see him. Uh, they put up an almost 50% hard contact percentage on him in that first uh, that first go-around at Minnesota. Uh, gave up way too many fly balls and kind of got lucky that they stayed in the park. I, I, will, I will agree to that point about the home run rate. You know, we're talking about a 39% ground ball, right? So the fact that he hasn't given up mm-hmm. a single homer is uh, is pretty crazy. But he also has a 150 ERA. I'm not betting on that. Give me a 3.8 and a, and a 120 uh, whip, and I'm fine the rest of the way. Like, I, I don't need him to continue at this current pace for Aaron Savale. I just need somebody who's capable, and I think he will continue to be that. And, um, Maybe I pad my numbers right now with these next three starts, give a little bit back with Minnesota, but then it gets to be the uh, Tigers and and White Sox again to close the season. So very favorable schedule for Aaron Savali. Let's move on to our next guy here. Staying in this division. I I almost took him off the list, but it's been so dumb that (laughs) I just want to get your reaction to the fact that Ivan Nova – has a 238 ERA and 109 WHIP since the All Star break, but it's 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 more than that. It's more than that lately. He has like a .85 ERA in his last like five or six starts with two complete games. One of them at Houston. <laughs> there is nothing to support this. So yeah, since July 22nd, his last five starts, .85 ERA, and uh, let's see what that would be. 37. And a point eighty seven whip. Yeah, see, as much as we bag on crappy players in Major League Baseball or in professional sports, we have to remind ourselves that these are still like among the best people at this game in the yes, world. You're, you're right. You're right. And at some point, even if you're not at the same level as the league average, much less the studs in the league you're still among like the top 1% in terms of the, your ability to play this sport. So nope, that, that's a great call that I, I, I mentioned this a lot too, uh, to be a quality or capable fifth starter in baseball, mm-hmm. you have to have like 15 good outings in your 30, at least yeah. like to, to maintain your five ERA, even let alone a four, four, seven, uh, which is where Nova is this year. And he's been low fours the last year. So maybe, you know, I, I'm I'm being hyperbolic. I'm just saying the .85 ERA over five starts is crazy mm-hmm. because it's not schedule driven. He's been to he's hosted Minnesota. He's been to Philly. He uh, had the complete game in he, or against Houston at home, and then went to Minnesota. Did give up ten hits in his last start, but only two runs. So it hasn't even been schedule favorable there there are detroit and miami starts mixed in there but he's been good in all five of those for ivanova can you recommend picking him up anywhere though no absolutely not that's like, ridiculous it's just i wouldn't even pick him up in al only i'm yeah, not even no. kidding because what's happened is you've lost all the good work i've had more strikeouts over his last three games than <laughs> he has you have gotten your cutter working yeah so, so. it's uh uh yeah no it's uh 
the, the, there's like no upside. No, it, no, the only it's thing that all... can happen is you get completely torched, and someone's Shh. gonna go do it, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna get creamed. Yep, it's sharp, painful downside. That's all that's there. Do not pick up Ivan Nova if it if it keeps going. Let it be on the waiver wire or somebody else's rock. I'm telling you, there's more bad than good here. There's no changes. I think he was even quoted as saying. I'm not really doing anything differently. <laughs> so your point is the right one. Listen, they're all major leaguers. They're all trying. And mm-hmm. uh, if you play a full season, no matter who you are, if you get a full season, you're going to have your moment to shine. Some scrub hitter, if, if for some reason he's thrust into 600 plate appearances, he's going to have his, his uh, you know, four or five one-week to ten-day samples of high quality because he is still a major leaguer. So that's a great point that you make. That's kind of what's going on here with Ivan Nova. This is, just the fact look at it looking at some of the, like the the game logs of his underlying statistics. Uh It's insane, dude. It's like he he has an 83% contact percentage and an 88% zone contact percentage over his last 3 games. And in his game against Oakland, uh what on the 10th uh, he had a hundred percent O contact percentage. Oh my god! And like he didn't get burnt by any of this. It's just, and he also had a two point eight swinging strike percent. I'm 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 angry that he's been this successful. It's uh, I'm it's, angry. You know, good for him, I guess. Or I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Good for him, but it's still annoying. It's like, how how have you been this good? Oh, you know I what? Don't... And I was just looking. Uh, you know what? I I was looking at the wrong page. I was looking at Reynaldo Re- Lopez's page. Oh, uh, game log. That's, that's, that's even more guy. insane. That's uh, our next guy. So let's 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 talk about him. Actually, he has a three ten ERA, forty six strikeouts and forty nine and a third since the break. I've never been able to quit Reynaldo Lopez. Um, I understand the dangers. He gave up seven yesterday at Minnesota, but only three were earned. Um, this was coming off a five earned run outing at, at LA, and yet he still has a 310 ERA. So that tells you how good he was in the starts before that. This is a guy, Ronaldo Lopez, who can be so deceptive because when you watch him, it's easy to see how it can be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you catch him in the right start, you're like, oh, damn, you know, mid 90s heater. Um, nice little, little change piece there, the slider working, the show me curve can even be nasty at times because it's, it's one of those slow benders. And you, you can get fooled pretty easily as I continue to do so pretty much every year. But uh, he is pitching well of late. Do you buy it at all with Reynaldo Lopez? No, I don't. I, I still is it because of the numbers you just cited. <laughs> that definitely reinforces it uh, a bit for me. But I've always thought that he should be a reliever. Uh, yeah. And I at some point the the White Sox are going to come around to this, especially as guys start coming up from the minor leagues because uh, they do have a number of uh, top-tier pitching prospects. It may be as early as next season with uh, you know, Carlos Rodon should be back. Michael Kopech should be coming up. Uh, so he Steaks could... will continue to have a spot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could easily... They also they got one other... Big pitching prospect, I believe. Oh, Dane Dunning should be up at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think he's going, and of course, Sketchy So I, I think next year starts his transition into the bullpen. 
which I think Never. is where his stuff plays up a little bit better, uh, and he can be more effective. So uh, I, I'm not a Reynaldo Lopez guy. Never have been. I've I've fallen for it in brief moments, but uh, I've my my initial scouting on him when I first saw him pitch uh, live a few times was that he he's a reliever, and I, I stand by that. Well, that was rude. Yeah, sorry. Hurt my feelings. I'm not going to okay. agree on everyone. No, I mean, I know, I know what I've, what I'm doing here with, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I keep, <laughs> I, I keep holding out the hope and he hasn't really given me that much of a reason to do so right now. The Lopez has, and he has these, these flickers and it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about where, yeah, if you get, if, if you get 32 starts in a season, there's going to be a string of, of, of strong ones at some point, maybe even at multiple points, you know, a great month here, two months of shit, another great month here. And, and that's, that kind of follows the Reynaldo train until he shows some true consistency. It's really difficult to buy into what he's doing. They seem to be running like a 40 man rotation right now. At least I'm looking at probable starters here. And uh, despite pitching yesterday, not only do they not having have him pitching this weekend, but then not even until next Saturday, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with that. I think, maybe if they're just protecting him, they don't want him to get Minnesota again because I think that's how it would line up. If he doesn't go this weekend against Texas for Reynaldo Lopez, they have Minnesota and then at Atlanta. So he's going to get one of those three teams, whether it's Texas, Minnesota, and Atlanta. Texas has not been hitting righties all that well, uh, particularly in the second half. So that might not be so bad if he does get to go this weekend. But Minnesota or at Atlanta, that's dangerous with Reynaldo Lopez. And we know we know the downside here can be very punishing. So I'm going to say be very cautious here, leaning toward passing. Yeah, and that's I'm the passing. Reynaldo Lopez believer saying that. So... Um, future closer, future closer. That'd be great, Ronaldo Lopez. Put that uh, fastball slider uh, coming in the ninth, and then mix in that changeup every once in a while. Yeah. Oof, that, could, that could be nice, or or at least fireman. You know, yeah. two inning two inning guy. Um, that's that's right. probably be is is one of those like two three inning guys. That that could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you like this guy. I do, Andrew. My boy. I'm fired. Absolutely dominating. That is your boy. 23 innings with a 274 ERA, 1.0 whip, 31% strikeout rate against just a 3% walk rate. It's been fantastic. It is just 23 innings, but uh, Heen Dog, he's he's running right now. What's uh, what's going on with your boy? He's healthy. <laughs> like that's what it weird, comes weird how that to. works. Yeah, weird how the correlation is there. Yeah, it just when he's healthy, uh, he's a fantastic pitcher. I think people forget he was one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball when he was with the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, uh, and his day with the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> literally a day. Literally a day. Uh, greatest, greatest tweet thanking all the fans for, from the Dodgers. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think he's one of these guys that people have just kind of gotten a little fatigued with because of all the injury issues. And, uh, that's always going to be a bugaboo for him. It's uh, There's always going to be that scare, but I think it also will drive down his price, and I don't think people are going to overreact to kind of this late 
this late sample this season, I think you're going to get him at an extreme discount. And uh, I'm going to, especially in shallower formats, I'm going to be willing to take the gamble next year. What about the rest of this year? It starts... Top uh, 40 starter rest of the way. Okay. Uh, are we starting kind of uniformly? Because this weekend goes to Houston. Next week hosts Boston. So schedule schedule throws some challenges Heaney's way right off the rip. I think but it's I, dependent on where your team's at. So okay. if, if you have safe ratios, you go for it. Uh, if your ratios are a little bit scary uh, right now, and you don't, you can't really take the risk if he, you know, gives up two home runs. Uh, but I think we're also going to see a team like the Astros maybe dial it back a little bit uh, and give guys extra days off. They're so far ahead in the division; uh, they've got guys who either have long injury histories or banged up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think there's a chance that uh, that they they give guys extra days off, so, uh, so may so not those, be as scary. Get those as bench players in. Yeah, get those bench players in against uh, Heaney. You know the the real impressive outing last uh, yesterday as part of a doubleheader, 14 strikeouts against Texas. I mentioned they haven't been hitting righties well. They have been hitting lefties. So the fact that a left-hander Andrew Heaney throws eight innings of one-run ball, four hits, zero walks, 14 strikeouts, that was fantastic. And uh, real, really impressive stuff there. He did get his pitch count run up, I guess, at Boston on August 10th, or maybe that was just his first start it was back. His first were... start back from the from the IL, okay. So. so they were never really going to push him too far there. Uh, but he still went three and two thirds, three three hits, one run, four strikeouts. That's not not even that bad for a uh, first start back. The schedule will be challenging if even if it continues to play out like this at Houston, Boston, reprieve at the White Sox, but then Tampa Bay. Um, a New York or Houston. He's on the cusp there, depending on how the off days work. Either way, it'll be difficult. And then another one against Houston. So Heaney will earn his stripes here. If he continues to pitch really well, though, I think there's not a whole lot he can do short of being like best pitcher in baseball down the stretch to really boost his 2020 draft value to a cost prohibitive level. So I think your point is correct there that it's going to be a little bit hidden because of the fatigue of like, oh, you know, these injuries are so frustrating that's going to leave leave him there to be scooped up late so i'm i'm intrigued by what we've seen out of heaney uh and i'll be ready to i'll be ready to buy in 2020 particularly if the price remains friendly which i really do believe it will let's move on to brad keller he's having another quality run here he's another guy who kind of goes in his ebbs and flows of quality and when he's really going i think people want to want to believe uh that there's that there's more here i think it's just kind of is who it is but that can it can yield quality runs. 287 ERA, 109 WHIP since the All Star break. Just a 21% strikeout rate, but only 6% on the walks from Brad Keller. Uh, where are you currently with with Keller and what he's been able to do? He's looking like a prototypical innings eater, but is there anything different there? I don't know that there's anything different. To me, he's a frustrating fantasy commodity. Uh, because I feel like he should get more strikeouts <laughs> than he does. Got some nastiness to his yeah. stuff. So, like, you watch him pitch and you go, okay, this is a guy that should be, you know, 12% swing strike rate. Uh, you, you should be getting, like, a 21 22% strike rate overall. And he just doesn't. He just doesn't get any strikeouts, which is just frustrating. he loves that 
loves that two seamer. I really yeah. think if he, if he, well, and ground ball guy too. You know, he mm. likes to keep the ball in the ground with Keller. It's his approach. Contact. Yeah, yeah, it's really his approach. You know who? It's slightly reminiscent of as far as just what we're talking about here. Not, it's not a perfect analog. But there's a little bit of Kashner to it, Andrew Kashner, particularly early career Kashner, where you could see the quality of stuff. And you're like, well, why doesn't that generate more strikeouts? It's this mid-90s heat and, and a, a solid breaking ball. It's, it's, part of it's the, the strategy that they go for. And, and I don't think Keller really goes for strikeouts. He wants the ball put in play. He wants his defense to do the work. Of course, the downside is when, when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong. Uh, Keller has six starts of five-plus earned runs, which I, I term a shellacking. You can't really save that in any any way. And, of course, with poor strikeouts, Keller doesn't even save it. You know, at least some of those high strikeout guys, when they get walloped sometimes, it comes with seven, eight strikeouts, and so it's not as painful. You don't really get that with Keller. You're still going to get your three to four strikeouts. So he's been great of late. Can it continue? And is he somebody that you're using in – in, or in which formats are you using him? I'll phrase it that way. I think he's a 15-team league or deeper guy for the most okay. part. I don't think I even want to stream him very often in, in shallower formats just because, when he, like you said, when he gets hit, he gets hit hard, and the upside doesn't warrant the risk on that. Looks like an Oakland-Baltimore two-step next week. I think they're at also a, running this. Both, both at home, right? Both at home, yes. So I, I would I would scoop that. Yeah, I think I, I'm okay with that. Uh, the hard part is like Baltimore like feels like that team that he should like just mow down, and they're gonna hit three home runs on him. Yep, because I mean, uh, that is one of the things that they actually can do. Exactly. So like that that's one of those. If you start your fantasy playoffs early, like I know there's been a push in some of the head-to-head formats to start uh, the fantasy playoffs about this time so that way you're not having to deal with all the september shenanigans mm-hmm. so like i wouldn't put him on my you know head-to-head roster with my season on the line you would not with keller with this two-step no, no i wouldn't i think I would i would trust it at home since it's a two-start at home with oakland and, and baltimore i think i would give it a shot if you if you've already been using him i, I will say this I wouldn't necessarily go out to add him. Actually, you know what? No, I won't pussyfoot around. I will. I would add him. He's been much better at home. It's two starts. If I'm in a head-to-head playoff here and and you know you can pile up starts, you don't have like a starts limit, give me those two from Keller, Oakland, and Baltimore at home next week. Um, all right, next up is Adrian Hauser. Oh, man, he just vomited everywhere. Crap. <laughs> I mentioned his name and it just threw up. You beat me to the joke. <laughs> he was so excited that I was going to talk about him, and so he just threw up everywhere. Um, Adrian Hauser's thrown up on the mound twice. Oh, I didn't see and, the second time. Yes, dude. This is this is not <laughs> even new. He just, uh, you know, feels a little something, goes behind the mound, vomits, and then goes back to pit. It's not like he leaves the game either. It's not like, oh, I'm I'm hydrated, I'm sick, or whatever, I got to get out. It's just, oh, I just got to get this out here. I just got to barf, and then uh, I and had a buddy of mine who, uh, before football games, he would vomit every time, and I just... That's crazy. I, like, I, I don't know how you, like, then go do an athletic competition. You just lost exactly. all the fluids in you. Um, <laughs> I would I feel... Mean, whatever's I would working for good. him. Yeah. 
it's a nervous vomit, I guess. And, uh, you may, you know, your buddy did it. Adrian Hauser does it. And Hauser's been pitching really well. This was a guy I did buy in on uh, early when he first went to the rotation. I was really excited. And it didn't go so well right off the right off the top there. But they've kind of stuck with him, kept him in the rotation for the most part. And now he's really starting to find some things here. Uh, since the break, he's got a 341 ERA, 107 whip, 20, 23% strikeout rate, 5% walk. Um, interesting stuff here. It's not a deep arsenal. He was a reliever, and that's where he was really – he was excelling as a multi-inning reliever to start the season. And now they've uh, had to rely on him as a starter because they just don't have much. And he's kind of got the third pitch here with the slider, uh, a new slider. So he's got fastball, slider, curve, and a show-me change. Adrian Hauser, I love what he does with this fastball. I've been intrigued by this all year, and so I'm definitely in on it for the second half. How do you feel about Hauser? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I think this is going to end poorly for Hauser. Uh like, is he going to throw up on the ball? <laughs> is that considered a foreign substance? I don't know. What if you just accidentally got a little bit on the ball and then boom, all of a sudden you got that crazy movement? <laughs> is that how he's getting fifty five percent ground balls right now? Yes, like, dude. It's not it's not that's, talent, that's it's the bar. part that's really intriguing to me because you've got a really good defensive uh shortstop, uh pretty good defensive outfield. Uh so and you know, uh Hero's pretty good defensive second baseman, so good defense good defense up the middle. Mustak is good defensive third baseman, so good defense in the infield and the outfield. Getting a lot of ground you know what? I'm talking myself into it. I feel like Tell this me, stuff isn't great. Like this like it's a it's a I love the fastball. I was gonna say I think the fastball is really good though, and I like it. Nice mid nineties heater. Fastball's fantastic, but then it's nothing. Like I don't think the slider is good. Uh, uh I don't think the changeup's good. The curveball's not good. Um, like he should is, be a reliever. It uh, is a little bit one pitch. I, I can I can agree it's to that. Very but... very much uh, Denelson Lamette. Like, hey, are you are you on, are you are you writing a segue right now? Oh, I didn't even see he was on the list. Next, <laughs> he's literally he's literally next. So that's, um, uh, I think he's yeah very much very similar to him in terms of. I think in short spurts he can be an effective kind of streamer. In, okay. You ride the hot streak right now, but uh, I think that at some point, especially pitching in a park, like at least Lamette has San Diego to fall back on. Hauser's got a pitch in Milwaukee in a really, really tough division. Uh, I think that will be his undoing at some point. Well, he does get... Back-to-back starts against St. Louis next, and they have not been good against righties all year. Mm-hmm. At home, or is he or split? It, it, it's the it's the old home and home. It's today in St. Louis, and then it's next week hosting them. So um, I'm fine with both of those for Hauser. Let me qu- take a quick look at the schedule to see what what happens after that. So his next start is today, and then he gets Tuesday the whatever if that day is. Let's see. That'd be the 27th, yes. Uh, okay, then one, two. Oh, pff, I went to St. Louis' schedule because I'm stupid. I'm doing a great job here, Justin. And, and you're the one who hasn't slept in two days. Two, three, four. Okay, 
Dude, is Houston just playing every pitcher we talk about? <laughs> God, Milwaukee gets a two-game set, and how this is how they have so many wins? They, they just, just play more games than everybody else. Absolutely. By the way, uh, I believe Hauser is a Houston product. Just another guy that they had. Remember when you tried to dispute me that they have tons of talent all over the league, and you're like, "Well, who?" I don't believe it. This is just another guy that they have, but uh, or had. So yeah, Hauser. Gets the double St. Louis, but then Houston and the Cubs. So it gets a little bit dicey after that. And uh, I hear what you're saying about just the one pitch. I don't think I would want to cut him, though. I do think he's somebody that I would like to stream between my reserve roster and starting, as opposed to letting him go back out there, because the upside is there, particularly in more favorable matchups. So I'm going to hang on to Hauser here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start him for these next two and then kind of uh, – Kind of play it from there with Hauser. Your your concerns are are well founded, but I don't think he's somebody that I would that I would necessarily cut. Well, where do you stand as far as that with Hauser between starting and cutting? I, or think, I mean between reserving and cutting. Excuse me. I think I'm reserving in 15 team leagues, and I think he I think he's similar to we're talking about. I think uh, Quantrill, where he he should be on a roster in 12 team leagues. I just don't know if it's your roster mm-hmm. type thing, so I can understand cutting them if you've got kind of a loaded reserve list or if you really need starts, you know, you need to be cycling in and out starters. Uh, but I have no problem holding on to them, though, if you, if you can kind of afford to. Okay. So then the last one is the Nelson Lament, who you oh, uh, just, referenced. Just, just a, re- a reminder, um, didn't just for you, that uh, Hauser was, a, you know, he was taking the second round, 69th overall. That's so nice. Does that change your outlook? He's a must-add in all leagues, right? Automatic start, never bench him now. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page there. (laughs) Uh, No, so that that that's that's funny. But uh, Denelson Lamet, you did invoke his name. You suggested that they're kind of similar to the point of a thin arsenal, but quality can be generated from it. Particularly, I believe it's fastball slider. Uh, almost exclusively for Lamette. He does uh, uh, barely mixes in anything else. It's 54% fastball, 41% slider. It's like a not well, what's what's lower than a show me. That's what it is for his uh, for his curveball right now. It's it's like a peekaboo. It's a peekaboo he, curveball. He, he's thrown like one changeup this year. Yeah, he's like, and and it was probably an accident. He he, he was trying to throw something else. He needs to go to like uh, pitch info and be like, ah, that was actually a fastball. I just I kind of I kind of messed it up coming out. So you, you could change that. It wasn't. I don't have a changeup. Uh, but three seventy eight, uh, three seventy five ERA, one twenty eight WHIP. That's not jumping off the page. It's like holy smokes, that's excellent. But a thirty one percent strikeout rate. I when he was coming back for Denosa Lamet, I was like, don't mess with it this year. I don't mess with TJ Returners. I got to see what's going on, so I don't I don't preemptively pick them up. Now that we're here, we're eight starts deep, and I'm seeing that Denelson Lamed has basically been himself. I'm more I'm more involved with it. I'm more interested if if he is available. I understand that he's not very available now. I'm okay with missing the boat on this one. But what about for those who have Denelson Lamed? What are you doing with him the rest of the season? Uh, very similar to Hauser. I think 15-team leagues, uh, you definitely want to kind of just play your matchups, but he should be uh, on every roster. He should probably be owned in, in 12-team leagues as well, but maybe not every roster. He's going to blow up some ratios at times, but the strikeouts are amazing. Uh, the strikeouts are fantastic. He's going to make an amazing closer at some point, point. Uh, and 
I think the I think the Padres because of where they're at in their rebuild uh, and what they have in terms of in their depth within the organization uh, at starting pitcher, they're going to give him any shot or every shot to to start. But I think that it's probably going to end fairly quickly. Okay, so and and you think uh, you think another close? You're making closers left and right here. Yes. Well, I mean, maybe he maybe he's not the closer in San Diego because they have. I mean, how long do they have Kirby Yates for? Well, they did sign him, I yeah. believe. But uh, but think about that one-two punch with, especially with some of the other guys they have on <laughs> uh, on this uh, team in terms of their uh, uh, in terms of their bullpen that they've just brought up. Like Munoz uh, oh. looks good. I like Munoz. By the way, just wrapping it up, uh, Yates is not. I thought they signed him to a deal. He, he's still under team control, but it oh, wasn't some it's... sort of special deal. Yeah, I, I, I did too. too. Um, I thought, like, yeah. We're thinking of Felipe Rivera, who was signed mm. to a deal. But, uh, they still have Strom in this bullpen, uh, Michael Baez, uh, Craig Stamen, who hasn't been very great this year. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to look good at the back end of that bullpen at some point. Uh, but right now, because a lot of their guys have moved into the bullpen from their rotation with their minor leagues, I think they're going to give them every every shot to start. Yeah, and they're going to see, you know, if it can work. A two start pitch or two pitch pitcher can work as a starter. Uh, there are certain limitations that Lamette's going to face, but uh, yeah, they might ride this out even throughout all of next year too, even if it's just. You know, a high threes, low fours guy, but with a boatload of strikeouts, there's still fantasy viability there, too. Uh, a quick note or, or a quick question to kind of end here since we're talking about San Diego. What do you think uh, is going to happen with Chris Paddock as far as like an innings limit? Mm. Have we heard anything since the beginning of the season? Uh, I don't know that we have. I mean, he, he had what? He got sent down for a little while. Yep, that, uh, that was it. He's at a, what, 115 innings at this point. So maybe he throws another four starts. Okay. I mean, that almost gets you to the finish line. I mean, they're running a six-man rotation. So that, that yeah, they're naturally kind of project, protecting some of their guys here just by they're, having a running Yeah, they're running a, they're running a weekly uh, bullpen game. Yes, so I think that kind of helps length. Uh, my guess is they're going to skip him one more time. And and so not there no flat out shutdown you think for Paddock? I don't think so. Uh, That'd be huge for, for I mean, fantasy we, folks. We haven't heard anything. Uh, no, thus and I can't far. find any. I can't find anything on. Um, I just googled here. I don't see anything about a, an impending innings limit for Paddock. So you know, I I here's take, the question though. I mean, I, and I don't know where you put him in your starting pitcher ranks for the rest of the year, uh, but he's been awful in the second half. Hasn't he rebounded recently or no? Uh, I mean, it depends enough? on what you're considering a rebound. His last start, he, he gave up uh, four in runs, five total runs, but one was unearned uh, in four and oh. two-thirds. Uh, he had a quality start. Uh, versus Colorado at home, he got shellacked nah, right. by the Dodgers. He's got an he's got pretty much a five ERA in the second half. Yeah, I was thinking up over two home runs per nine. 
I think his first couple starts of the break are what were still in my brain, but his August has not been good. And you're right, the homers have been the issue. If you just look at Paddock since the All Star break, it's eight homers in 32 and two thirds. That's brutal. That's a two two. You said. I mean, that's that's crazy. So maybe he just maybe he needs to be shut down. But uh, I think there I is a skip. I wonder if he is starting to tire out a bit. He has to be. Uh, so I mean, that's. That that's a bit concerning. Giving up a lot of contact, especially in the zone, uh, and then some of it's home run contacts, mm-hmm. which is which is very dangerous. He gets Boston tomorrow. Yeah, actually Friday, I think they're off tomorrow. Yeah, he gets them Friday, uh, and then a trip to San Francisco. I don't know, man. I think Paddock's somebody that you have to start. If you, I, I I'd have a hard time really pulling my lineup. I understand that these three starts have been rough. But you know he can drop six scoreless with ten strikeouts on a dime. Yeah, that's the hard part. Is he's just so <laughs> he's just so talented. Yeah, the upside's uh, so so sharp. And you know just, Boston's obviously giving up difficult. a ton of hard contact right now. It's uh, it, it's a bit concerning. Yeah, I I, I understand that. I, I can totally feel that uh, that that pain with him and that nervousness with Chris Paddock. Uh, but yeah, there's no no word of an innings limit right now. I think you just got to keep going with them until uh, until we figure out where we're at uh, with any sort of innings limit. All right, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up there. There's a bunch of pitchers that we're looking at in the second half. Hopefully, you've got some of these guys. Some of them should still be available in your shallow leagues. Sorry for the deeper leagues. This wasn't really a pickup uh, episode for you guys, but more of an assessment of your recent pickups. We do have a special episode coming up tomorrow that I'm excited about. Super should we, excited. Should we tip it or just, just is this tease all we need? I think the tease is all we need. All right. You should listen. Tomorrow's going to be even better. If you there's like the, this one. There's a special guest. Why don't we say special that? Special guest coming. Special activity. Uh, so much room for activities. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. So, yeah, look for that one tomorrow. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Justin, talk to you in about 24 hours. Take it easy.